Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I wonder what it would be like to go and visit Jesus at his house. You ever thought about that? Whoa, that ain't going to work. At least we know why that one messed up. See if we can fix that right quickly. Hmm. All right. All right, there we go. Maybe that won't happen again. Visiting Jesus at his house. You go to a lot of houses, you've been in people's homes, and you have expectations when you get there. That's why most women say, don't invite somebody to my house without warning. That's always been interesting to me, because it's okay for the family to live like that, but not for visitors to see it. That's fascinating to me. I don't know how that works, but that's how it is. In this case, in this story, John was preaching. There were two who were listening to him preach. In fact, we find out later in this text that one of them was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And after John speak and Jesus came along and John pointed out who he was, there he is, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And they immediately just began to follow him. There have probably been times in your life when you've either seen or felt that somebody's just following you. And you turn around to see who it is. That seems to be the case. I don't know where he was going. He was on his way to some place. And all of a sudden he goes, do you want something? And their response was quick. Yeah. Where are you staying? Where are you going? Where do you live? Jesus would later say in Matthew chapter 8, The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So on the one case, he has nowhere to go. But now in this story, he is inviting two disciples to come see where he lives. I'm sure that's not a problem. When he said, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, was simply a reference to the fact that he owned almost nothing physically. The man who owned it all and created it all while he was e here just had the clothes that he wore as his possession. That's it. And he didn't own a house. He didn't own a place. But he certainly had friends who allowed him to stay there. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were three of them. But on this occasion, we don't know where he was going. 
All we know is that Jesus invited two disciples to come to his house. I wonder what their expectations were. What were their thoughts as they were going to the place where he was staying, the house where he lived? What were the things they were thinking they would find there? If you want to turn your Bibles to John chapter 5, Jesus gives us a hint as to what, in fact, they would find there. This is a text where Jesus is described in best detail that we have maybe in the New Testament of what was the relationship between him and his father. What was it like to be in his father's house? And when Jesus invited these disciples, come to my house, I don't know what they were expecting to find, but I know what they found. And if today we were to visit like they did Jesus' house, this is certainly what we would find. Verse 19, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. And the Father shows the Son and allows or shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show greater works than these that you may marvel. One of the things that you would find in Jesus' house is the will of the Father being discerned. What does he want me to do? Jesus said, I only do what he wants me to do. It is his will that I am following. There would be no debate in his house about what the next move would be. There would be no discussion. How are we going to act? What are we going to say? Everything would begin and end with the will of God. And if I were to show up at Jesus' house at his invitation, I would know immediately that the will of God has been discerned in this place. It's been figured out. I get it. They understand it. And it encompasses that entire house. No doubt, I would see the will of the Father. Verse 36. I have a greater witness than John for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. 
If I go to Jesus' house, as these two did, I would find the Father's work on display. I would see his handiwork in that house. Most likely, if people were to come to your house, there are some, there's some work that would be on display. How many of you on your kitchen refrigerator are displaying the work of your children or your grandchildren? Pictures, writings, drawings. If we were to come to your house, we would see the work that you've been doing on your house to improve it, to make it better. I would see that. You would probably point it out. In Jesus' house, I would see the Father's work on display. There would be no doubt what's happening in that house. There would be no doubt what I would see having, uh, being done and practiced. It's the Father's work. And there's nothing else to see. Third, as these two disciples showed up at Jesus' house, I know for sure that they would see the Word of God, the Father's Word being discussed. Verse 38. You do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they that testify of me. If we were to go to Jesus' house do you think he would sit down around the table and have a Bible discussion? If we were to go to Jesus' house, would he be talking and saying things that are written in the Word of God? Would he make constant reference? This is what my father said. Because if I went to Jesus' house... Would I see a Bible prominently displayed because that's where it all begins and ends? Oh, I know that if I went to Jesus' house as these two did when he invited them, I would see his will, his work, and his word. So what does that have to do with me? He's not here physically to take me to the place where he is staying. As he invited people to come to his house... I should invite people to Jesus' house, which is in me. You and I, 
are the place where Jesus stays today. And I should be willing for someone to come to his house in my life and to see what it's like where Jesus stays. First of all, it is obvious that if you're not a child of his, if you've never submitted yourself to him, being immersed into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, rising from that water, a brand new person, then Jesus does not live in your house. It's yours. But he's not there. He wants to be in your house. Some people in in. But then later, they kick him out. Because it's just too disruptive to have Jesus in this house. Too many things have to change. So many things are difficult. And those people who once invited him in now ask him to leave. If Jesus is not staying with you, you need to think seriously about that. But if he is, I know what it would look like. I know what it would look like in Scripture. I don't know how perfectly anybody would do it, but I know what it would look like. Come to Jesus' house in me. Number one, here's what you would find. I don't live there anymore. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Come to Jesus' house in me. And when you get there, you will find that I don't live there anymore. I've taken on a new life. person who lets Jesus stay with them is seeking not to be seen in the house, but is seeking rather for others to see Jesus in that house. Number two, you'll find me not living there anymore, but you will also find that my house is full. In Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 16, Paul prayed that this would grant you that you might have, according to the riches of his glory, be strengthened with his might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through love, 
that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Is your house full My son told me the other day that his wife is on a minimalist kick. In other words, let's get some stuff out. We're not buying any more stuff. We're not adding any stuff. It's too full. But in the house where Jesus stays... He wants it to be full. And if you come to Jesus' house in me, you will find that it is indeed full. Full of the fullness of God. And third, it should be that if you come to see Jesus' house in me, that you will find the door always opened. Revelation 3 and verse 20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will hear my voice and let me in, I will come with him and sit down and eat with him. To have the door open in the place where Jesus stays is a constant invitation for Jesus to more and more fill my life spiritually, to grow and mature and to learn and discover. As we talked in class this morning here, there's a process a process that encompasses my entire life as I am learning better how to have Jesus stay with me. Come to my house. Come see the place where Jesus stays in me. But third... We, we are the house where Jesus stays. The church is the house where Jesus stays. The church represents the place where Jesus is. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us a great outline of what it should look like if somebody comes to see the house where Jesus stays. Is this who we are? When we look at 1 Corinthians 12, is this who the Richmond church is? Number one, he says, starting in verse 12, there are many who are staying in this house. There are many 
it is a fact that there are many brothers and sisters in Christ that we have in His church. That's a fact. There are many because not only of the numbers, but there are many because of the different kinds of people that we have within the place where Jesus stays. And there should be from all walks of life, all types of people, financially, educationally, intellectually, physically, all kinds of people. There are many in this text where he says that we're many. We're one body, but we are many. We ought to have and expect to find many people. We don't hone in on a certain person or a certain type. We're open because in Jesus' house where he stays, anybody's welcome. Number two, in that house, everyone has his or her own room. The foot can't say, I'm not a hand, so I'm not in the body. The ear can't say, I'm not an eye, so I'm not in the body. In the house where Jesus stays right here, I have a room and you have a room. And everyone has a room because each person is accepted and apart and expected to be apart. Third, nobody is remodeling those rooms. You can't say, all right, I don't need you. We're going to kick you out. The joke that when a child leaves to go to college and the parents turn the room into something for themselves, maybe like yours, however, is mine. We still have Austin's room, Aubrey's room, Stephanie's room. Now, admittedly, Stephanie's has been changed, but then again, she has hers here. But here's the point. Nobody tries to remodel. We don't need you. We don't want you. You're not like us. Because in the house where Jesus stays, we don't have that option. Fourth, in this house where Jesus stays, we should find the weak members being cared for. Those members that seem to have less Value, we value more, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12. No one is overlooked because we don't want them, but neither are they overlooked because they are in need. They need to be supported and cared for and strengthened so that they might become an active and valuable part more and more of the house. Where Jesus stays. But finally, 
come see Jesus' house in his church. And there you will find verse 26. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member rejoices, all the members rejoice with it. In the house where Jesus stays, right here, they should see a lot of hugs and a lot of high fives. Because that's where Jesus wants to be. In preschool, during singing chapel time, we sing the song, If You're Happy and You Know It. And oftentimes, changing the verses around, if you're happy and you know it, give a hug. If you're happy and you know it, give high fives. Today, in the house where Jesus stays, this church, his family, if you're happy and you know it, we should be people who hug. If you're happy and you know it, we should be people who give high fives because we hug those who are suffering and we rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Jesus said, come to my place. Come to my house. And I say, Come see where he is staying in me. And we should say, come see where he is staying in us. And in me and you, and in us as a body, they ought to see Jesus. Because this is where he stays. You have an invitation from Jesus to come to his house. If you're not there, or if you've turned him out, your invitation from him says to come back or to come and see where he stays as we stand together and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.